Welcome back to the All Serious Very Adult Podcast, in which we are continuing our mini-series and ending it today. And we're ending it with Satoyo, who is a former professional dancer and current comedian. He joins us at Helium Comedy in Philadelphia to talk about how a sudden injury changed the course of his life and led him to the world of stand-up. We get into how being your genuine self on stage creates magnetism and success, how pushing yourself in rooms where the odds are stacked against you is very valuable, and the impact your performance has on your material. Let's do it! All right, and we are back again at the All Serious Very Adult Podcast. This is the first time you're hearing this name, and you're probably regretting it at this point. You're like, what kind of fucking kind of name is that? Mm -hmm. It's a bad name. (laughs) It's a very bad name, and And I'm tied to it. (laughs) I am Mike Pridgen. I'm Andy Kirkwood. And I am Satoyo. Satoyo, welcome to our, our. Now, are you a mononymous fellow? Are you? Do you just go by Satoyo? I go by one name. That's like, really cool. It's, yeah. it's like share. I can't yeah. do that. Well, it's like Prince. More yeah. Prince. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. See, I can't do that because there's a hundred billion mics. There's all know? the uh-huh. mics. You guys uh-huh. are everywhere. Yeah. There's too guys, many. Yeah. You're like locusts. <laughs> Andy can't really do it. <laughs> yeah. You're like you're actually like a plague put upon this earth that probably should be eradicated. In all, I mean, I, I'm sure hard. you're a good dude. But yeah. But there's so many of you. I mean, you know, I'll, I'll get myself up. You know. Like, okay. You're one of the good mics. Yeah. If it comes to it, I'll be like, you know, I, I know what I am. Yeah. I'll get rid of it. Well, euthanize yourself. Listen, that, that's humility. He'll do Japanese ritual suicide. It'll be great. <laughs> I'll do Japanese ritual suicide, Chinese suicide. Yeah, any of them. European suicide. It doesn't matter. Whatever kind of suicide you can hey, give Hey, man, cyanide is here for a reason. <laughs> uh, but, I, but I'm glad that you're here and sticking around. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you're here, too. And, I, I'm, and I'm, I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for coming. So what what makes you do this wild thing? What makes you? Now you're a comedian, right? Yes. So, uh, did you just perform? Yes, I did. I did. And uh, just in case this is now a new episode, we are. Uh, this is a, a benefit for a comedian, Mike Brooks, who just recently passed. And there is such a, a crazy support, like outpouring oh, yes. support. Yes. This is the third of three shows. The third benefit. Show. It's not just one show. It's nope. three shows. At, like in like mm-hmm. all the major clubs in Philly came together mm-hmm. and. Independent of, of each other, but it's like, yeah, they're gonna do shows like Punchline Philly did a show. Yeah, you know, a couple uh, independent, you know, spots did shows, and then and then Helium did shows. So it was very very important because Mike was that he was that integral of a figure within the scene that he had to be honored, not yeah. just because of the fact that he was a great comedian, which he truly was. I mean, mm-hmm. Mike was truly a force of nature. He'd go into any room in any circumstance. Mm-hmm. And and crush. Yeah. At the same time, he was an even better human being. That's all we're which here tonight. Is very very rare mm-hmm. in comedy. It's very you can find someone who's exceptionally talented, and they may be a garbage person or a person who's troubled. Mm-hmm. Mike had a very very good balance, and I always he was always very easy to talk to within the realm of being a comedian who holds yourself to a high level, while at the same time being a person who's trying to do your very best. In spite of all of your 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 shortcomings and fallacies, he was very yeah. good for that. And that's that's all we've been hearing tonight. We're at the uh, the Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia. It's one of the the top ten clubs in in the country, in the nation, easy. in the yeah. nation. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and it's everybody comes out here. Yep. It's it's nationally known. And it's it's we're really lucky to uh, be stuck in the corner here. <laughs> it's a good corner. It's great. It's a really it's nice a, corner. It's very really really spacious. Nice. They turned the Got music that, off for us. Yeah. That nice couch over there. Yeah, yeah. Andy was just yeah. laying on that couch. He was, Andy was laying, laying. He was laying. Yeah, laying. I've been yeah. sitting in this uncomfortable chair for two hours. Yeah, that's comedy. It's, it's, that is. <laughs> 
Yeah, so I, I'll just, a background on myself. I am a stand-up comic. Okay. Um, I'm his friend. And, and that's how he always introduces himself, and I, I am his friend. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you are a stand-up comic. Um, how, how long have you been doing this? Ten years. Ten wow. years? Yes. All right, so you've been, you've been at it for a while. Is this something that you always, like, when you were a kid, you're like, that's what I want to do? Or Not did you at fall all. into it? No, I I wasn't one of those people. So the people that say, oh, my God, I always knew I wanted to do stand-up comedy, never had an idea to do that at all. I'm not... I'm not one of you. See, that's um, fascinating to me. Because I, from a kid, when I was a kid, I was like, that's what I, I want to entertain people. I want to make them laugh. I didn't figure out it was stand-up until sure. later. But I, it's always fascinating to hear stories about how you fell into it. Yeah, I think I, I came up dancing professionally. Oh, huh. wow. So it was hip-hop dance and, a, like, you know, and most specifically break-in, b-boying, or break dances. Some yeah. of you may know it. So I was doing that from about 15, you know, professionally, 15 to about my early 20s, about 24 Mm-hmm. And my friends had been telling me to do comedy for years because I would always pop them. I always make them laugh. Yeah. But I was a young kid, and also at the same time, like, I'm spinning on my head and doing all this crazy stuff and getting to travel and getting to make money and oh, and, wow. and getting to – and also as a young kid, also getting to, you know, be around yeah. women and understand that. Yeah, so and this is fi- like career level. Yeah, you know, totally, yeah. You're like a rock star. Um, well, yeah, Rockstar adjacent. Yeah, let's Rockstar say. adjacent, <laughs> which is still amazing. Like yeah. Rockstar adjacent is better that thus far than, than not being a than, than Rockstar comedian from what I've seen. You know, <laughs> Rockstar adjacent dancer yeah. still beats out like yeah. Rockstar comedian. We get good bar wings if we're lucky. Right. Well, it, well, or you may even get the strange. You may get, <laughs> but that it's not comparable. It's just not comparable because great value. When you, well, when you're being a a, a, a physical presence. Mm-hmm. We're talking about dance, rhythm, movement, music, and there's a very, very visceral reaction to that. There's a very, yeah. very animalistic reaction to that. Whereas even making someone laugh, you can have that type of reality. Oh, you're more attractive the funnier you are. It ain't the same as being able to move them hips. It's just that don't it, it as a, especially as a dude, yeah. as a straight dude who mm. if you only have sex with women or even whatever you do, mm. you move them hips right and you on beat. <laughs> you look good to a lot of people. You know, it's gotta get the right playlist on, and it's like your superpower. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, performance enhancing playlist, or yeah, or sometimes you didn't even need that. You could take a terrible beat and still, you know, go home with friends. You know, <laughs> like you always called them friends. They weren't, you know. I said yeah. strange, inappropriate. You just keep an egg shaker next to your bed. <laughs> well, yeah. By that point, they already know what the show is. They don't really care. You know, you don't need to. You don't need to shake nothing but what yeah. you know your mama gave you to get in that situation. <laughs> but uh, I was doing that for a long time. I tore my lateral meniscus. Didn't know it was torn. Oh. I tore it at 23. And danced on it for a year like oh. an idiot because I'm a dancer. Yeah. And by the time that I finally got an MRI, um, they were like, yeah, left internal derangement. Uh, you know, basically a part of my meniscus was flapping in there. Had to have yeah. surgery. They could not repair the meniscus. Wow. Lost about 30% of my meniscus wow. on my left side. And they were like, yo, like you're still in great shape. You're still – your knee's still in great shape. You can't keep up that schedule anymore. Mm-hmm. So if you keep up that schedule, you can dance, but in, in, within five years, your whole it's all going to be done. But you can live a regular life. Right. And they said that you can scale back, and you can still dance at a very, very high level for much, much longer. You just got to deal with things like bariometric pressure and potentially arthritis and stuff like that. So all of a sudden, my career is kind of done. Uh, a, a big part of how I, make my, uh, how I make money and how I make connections is sort of gone. I'm at the house. I'm rehabbing. And uh, my friend's just kept on telling me do comedy and I had nothing else to do and I tried it and it went way too well that's awesome yeah that's really cool yeah that's a story we don't hear yeah so you said you've been doing this for 10 years Mm -hmm. 
So here's another example of someone older than us that looks younger than us. Yes. Like, yeah. it's just, I don't know what it is. How well, you I, mean, to, I mean, to be fair, in my defense, <laughs> I am also, I, I am a dancer. Yeah. I am black. So, you know, the odds are in my favor. <laughs> They're not in my favor in most instances. I should at least have this. <laughs> right? You know, but yeah. So <laughs> being in my mid-30s. I mean, look, I just, I, you got to let me have this one. Of course I look younger than these two men. These men look young, but not in comparison. I mean, you know what I'm saying. It's going to fall apart They're real quick. This, very I mean, nice, handsome white men with flips. beards. Both of them. They're very <laughs> nice, handsome white men with beards. I have no beard. Dashing as I am. You're already on the show. It's okay. I No, I know, but I... Well, listen, you've got to drive the point home to make the people understand. What you got to paint a panoramic picture, which means you got to fill in everything. Like, but... We need to have you be the narrator to set up all of our episodes. <laughs> well, hey, you know what? I, I, I believe in being as clear and succinct as possible yeah <laughs> you'd be good for maybe some asmr yeah you know, one of those things where you just like start describing shit that's in the room yeah i'm pretty like, good with that. i have a cucumber here it is i'm gonna chew on it now <laughs> that's just wild like people make so much money off of that well i mean why wouldn't they yeah. and i'm like if i could just palate a cucumber if i could just take a bite out of one i'm such a picky eater that i've lost my career in well, you know it's you know a cucumber to me it's like that's like a water stick because mm-hmm. you actually bite into a cucumber, you're like, it's actually just is is moist, yeah. watery, with no flavor. <laughs> I can just drink the water. Actually, right. drinking the water is actually easier. Mm-hmm. Now the cucumber will fill you up, but fill you up with what? Water disappointment. You drink the water, you know what you're getting into. Very wet vegetable. I, yeah, I've, dr- I've drank the water. I'm not gonna have a weird bowel movement later. It's gonna be a very. I'm a pee. It's pure. It's good, clean missionary sex of consuming things. You know what I'm saying? It's a good, clean way to do it. You know, so. Water life is the best way to go. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. You gotta stay hydrated all, at all times. And again, it? I do believe in zoo things. Let me say, I'm sorry. I believe oh, in. I believe in moisturizing and drinking water. If I can impart any message onto your viewers, moisturize. That means use lotion. Yeah. Do face masks. Take care of yourself. Also, double it up with water consumption okay a gallon of water every day very very hard but what i found to do is you take a liter of water you drink about four of them to the best of your ability you'll be on the right path okay water intake is very very important especially for a lot of you i know you booze you go out here some of you you do the cocaine or the jocaine as we call it back home you do a lot of the things the substances you do a lot of the nonsense okay and it's cool live your life do what you do. You're a young person out here having too much unprotected sex, but you're young. You think that nothing can hurt you. You haven't been wrecked by the world yet, and you think that gonorrhea is not a big deal. But I'm not here to judge. I'm just here to say, please, please. I'm not I'm not even telling you to wrap it up. You do what you do, Chet. I know how you feel about this. Okay? We're covering but, mind, body, spirit health everything it's all related man yeah it's all related guru yeah well i mean i mean we're all connected bro you know, I mean, come on. Like, you remember when you watched The Matrix? I don't know. It might be before you. I you watched The Matrix. Matrix. You're like, oh, Matrix. everything is connected, bro. We all, yeah. we, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. And I don't do no yoga, and I think this shit. I want y'all to know. I don't do no <laughs> yoga. I ain't never done a Pilates class. I, I just feel like this. So, mm. There are people that not only do yoga, but they do something called hot yoga. You ever heard about that? Yeah, I did, I, did hot yo- I did hot yoga one time. <sighs> so, no, hot, yo, hot yoga, for one, is hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, two... Hot yoga is so intense, like, but it actually is kind of like weirdly freeing. Mm-hmm. You do have, uh, you almost have, you, you, it releases endorphins when you actually just let yourself be in it, regardless of what your level of flexibility is. Yeah. So it is kind of like a weird semi-orgasm, which is very, very interesting. <laughs> and then, and then when you get out of that hot space, you walk out into the world and you feel like a, like, a, like a guy, like Super Mario. 
Like, remember when you were trying to jump, you feel so airy, yeah. and you would just, like, you take a step, and you feel like you were levitating. Mm. It's oh, wow. so much of you is loose because yeah. you've been sweating, but you've been stretching. So your body is literally doing yeah. more stretching than you've ever done before. Now, I had to stop doing it. For a couple reasons. One, monetarily, I just couldn't afford it. Also, two, too many white women moaning seductively. <laughs> in the, and, I, and again, I was in my I was in my mid twenties. I'm not trying to act like I was better than it, but too many like, uh, and, and you know, and, and I was not trying to get probation. Well, not anymore. No, I'm not going to do. But I just don't want to have woodies in this space because you got to wear shorts. And, and again, I want to be respect. I understand that. You know what? This is my bullshit. I am garbage. Yeah. Let me remove myself from this situation. I will do yoga on YouTube like a regular person, and then I just never did it. Yeah, yeah. It's, how, it's just the idea is so wild to me. It's like you walk into a room, it's clammy, 97 degrees, and your first thought is downward dog. No fucking way. I mean, well, you know, I, I think that <laughs> the downward dog, I do believe it's a level of actually submission and discomfort, which is very, very important. Because it loosens you up to the whole idea of what you're doing. And it's supposed to make you a bit physically uncomfortable, which I do believe is very important. Much like if you go on stage as a performer, there are going to be certain aspects that you're going to be thrown into that while you think you want to be a comedian, you're thrust into a certain situation that is very uncomfortable. Yeah. But it's very, very important that you go through that and get through that because it will happen to you again. Mm -hmm. And you'll have to develop the skill set to be able to appropriately manage that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So downward dog is kind of just getting, yo, you ready to sweat and be awkward and not be tremendously good at this, but do it the whole way and then deal with other motherfuckers moaning and it all sound very, very aggressively sexual. Yeah. But you can't think like that because you're trying to be a, like, a good person. Meanwhile, you horny as shit for no reason all the time because you're 27. You're 27. But you and you can't push it down And it's gone and then you're better for it. And that applies to health and comedy, I think. You know? I don't know that you push it down, but like, cause sometimes you can't. Like, sometimes you can't. <laughs> like, I, up, like, not physically, but like psychologically. Like, well, you gotta yeah, you got to tuck it up. Yeah, you got to tuck it up. You got to do whatever it is you can do. Sometimes you just got to think about it. A red truck, bro. <laughs> you got to take those thoughts and put them in your waistband. Yeah, man. I mean, listen. My trick for it was thinking about a red Toyota Tundra. <laughs> so just like the least sexual thing you could think. And of. then put it in the snow. Ooh. And I don't like <laughs> snow. I'm West African. I'm Nigerian. We don't do that type of thing. <laughs> After many technical difficulties, we just did an episode and I everything can't was fine. Believe it, because I shut everything off like we were gonna, st and then I forgot yeah. we had to fucking record yeah, B-roll. Yeah, 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 yeah. And now we take a trip to the Ad Vault to visit those who wanted to sponsor us but gave us a bad check. Hey, Mike, you ever been eating beef? I feel like I've heard this before. <laughs> okay, let's not break the fourth wall quite yet. <laughs> Uh, you ever been eating beef and like your spaghetti sauce or whatever, and uh, sometimes you bite into like a piece of meat and there's like that hard bit, that like bone fragment or whatever? You're hitting a really niche market again. But, but have you? I Yes, all the time. I so, voraciously eat meat all day every day. Isn't that the, just, the, just the best part of the meat? <laughs> that what are you implying? Bone fragment that's in there for some reason? Please don't go where I think this is going. So, uh, I'd like to bring to the table today... <laughs> Oops, all bones. <laughs> oh, God, all right. We, we finally have the technology to suck the bone fragments out of our ground beef, and we've got a lot of bone fragments, so what they did was they put them in these uh, nice, convenient packages, and we just got a bag here that's full of bone fragments, and I'm going <laughs> to sample right now. 
So if anybody is hosting... Oh, it's delicious marrow. Oh my god. So if anybody's hosting a no Thanksgiving this season, <laughs> by oops all bones, <laughs> the Andy Kirkwood company. <laughs> Causing lawsuits everywhere. <laughs> Starting this season. God, when are we gonna get? When are we getting a decent sponsor in here? Man, we got work hard. It's the hustle. <laughs> this is not a hustle. We're creating more trouble than we're worth. I will push these oops all bones until the day I die, as long as they pay me. He's eating them. He's bleeding from parts of his body that he's not eating with. Oops, all bones. Get him today. He's chewing like a bear coming out of hibernation. With that, what, what's your style of, of comedy? Is it just... Because, like, you have the energy of, like, like an auction house bidder. So I think that... It's more clear, and I love it. When I started, you know, you have to learn how to write jokes. Yeah. So I'll preface it with this. Um, the, the biggest piece of advice I've ever been given by friends and other comedians, they said that with the moment that you sound like how you sound off stage. On stage, you're gonna be a problem. I sound like that on stage. So, to, so to me, like people say, well, what's your style of comedy? I'm just like, well, you just heard me talk, didn't you? Um, I, I like to talk about my experiences uh, because I like to see the world around me and talk about that. Yeah. Uh, I like the I like to sort of really focus in on that. I don't like to be abstract, like yo, women be like this or men be like that or whatever else. I'm like, mm -hmm. look, here's how I feel about things. Also, at the same time, I do believe in being actively extemporaneous. Um, extemporaneous within the scheme of my jokes at the same time I do believe in highly highly entertaining myself mm -hmm. because thus far what I've realized if I'm entertaining myself other people are going to be entertained that's so important yeah like just I, I was watching this video a while ago it's about uh, why Jack Black is so magnetic yep. and it's it's one of those things where he entertains himself first yep. and if yep. you're there for the journey and, that, and I believe that wholeheartedly and I do believe that if there's any comedian listening and starting out or doing whatever even now to this day, I like to go on to shows and say things extemporaneously. Even if I'm working within a rule mm -hmm. that I know of, I like to entertain myself because it makes me happy. And it makes me yeah. even because sometimes if you're a performer, you know how it is. You're going to go on stage. But I don't feel like telling these jokes. I don't feel like telling mm -hmm. these things. You got to work outside that box then. You're you're oh if you're if to me I I truly believe that you should never be less funny than what your jokes are. You should always be funnier than your jokes. Those jokes can't exist without you. Yeah. So you have to be able to literally that joke is clay. And while you may mold it into something, you may need to be able to mold it into something else at any moment's notice. So I like to go on stage and really normally pop myself make myself really laugh and then continue to dig into that and the audience is like what's yeah. happening here and all they know is that what's happening here is a yeah. person just having fun and yeah. i actually am and then i get to find yeah. really intricate ways to weave into the material to the point yeah. that it actually feels very seamless so you start with the presentation yes and that's like a lot of people like to shit on dane cook mm -hmm. they say oh he's so terrible but he is what a performer should be he's it up there and he's performing and he's he's portraying his material in such a way where you're brought in by yeah. the way he's giving it to and, you. And, and people give and people give Dane Cook a, a, a hard rap for good reason. I mean, you know, in terms of his, his person, I can't really speak on that aside from, you know, he just likes women who are much younger than he is, but whatever. He's going through a midlife crisis. He old. What you want from him? But I do believe that there is something to be said about when Dane Cook burst on the scene, 
if, if someone sh sits there and tries to say he wasn't funny, you're a liar because realistically, that first that that first album and that first special that was 16 years of material like anywhere from 13 to 16, that he had cultivated into that personality and that character the downfall of dane cook was and again he did something that now you see a lot of other performers do but they have the popularity to sustain it and they haven't had movies that have bombed he had the ability and he was one of the first performers of that time period to be like i'm gonna put in a new hour every year which at the time was not very commonplace like, he had blown up, and then he said, every hour, every year I'm going to do a new hour. That's very, very hard, especially with that type of skill set, with that type of comedian that he is, because he was a performance comedian. He was a comedian, still through and through, but he wasn't one of these supreme lyrical joke writers, and he didn't need to be. That wasn't his appeal. But he was so popular, it was very, very important that he stay on the minds of the consumer. So each special that he put out progressively got worse because the first special that you saw was over a decade of work. So it's the most polished things that you've ever seen in your entire life from him. And then within 365 days, you're expecting another hour to be comparable to that. And there is no performer that yeah. I have seen thus far that can consistently do that. You look at any of the quote unquote greats, you see long stretches of inactivity. Okay, just for them to have a good special. And, I'll, I'll, and again, also for the record, I try not to watch specials. It's very gross and it's very demeaning to a person who wants to do this. After a certain point, you just get tired of watching them because you understand the process they're going through. Yeah. But when people give Dane Cook a hard time, they're not being very honest with themselves. It's like, yo, Kevin Hart is doing that now. Mm -hmm. And it is very successful to him. But also, at the same time, Kevin learned how to harness it in such a way that it was, it was very, very acceptable to the audience. Mm -hmm. Kevin, his movies don't bomb. And he, he understands very much what he is. And he doesn't try to be anything else. Dane Cook was still being put in the realm of a super duper joke writer yeah. from fucking Boston. And I'm like, he was not Patrice. He was not Bill Burr. He was not them guys. Yeah. But he was being held up to that standard of them guys. Mm -hmm. And he was a pretty boy, you know, for you know for that time period of what they thought white men was pretty. His hairline was just going <laughs> at an aggressive rate. But you know, he was he was doing his thing. It's like that was kind of a no win situation for him, especially when you factor in at the same time his movies are tanking. If his movies are going well, those specials get a better reaction, I believe. Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. And it's it's just one of those things where it's it's it seems like your comedy you're very focused on the performance and I always appreciate that. Well, every comedian needs to understand they're yeah. in fact an entertainer. Yeah. And you can't you can't lose comics like I'm a comics comic. Sure, but also keep in mind when you work at a comedy club, you are nothing more than a jukebox. Even if you're the headliner, you're a jukebox on stage that is there to make people laugh and sell liquor and food because <laughs> every bar or every club is a glorified restaurant. Yeah. So so yeah, like Every comedian is an entertainer. I'm a joke writer. Yeah, sure. We all are. Like, everyone's doing that. Like, shut the fuck up. Every person is doing that. You have to learn how to be the best that you possibly can be. And that does take these very, very uncomfortable steps outside of yourself in, in, in some form or fashion. So to me, yeah. performance was always the thing that I gravitated to most initially. Mm -hmm. And then my pen had to get strong. And then even now, I yeah. write jokes where I'm like, I will not even use this for another two months. Yeah. But I'm just writing to make the pen strong so that I sharpen up these other jokes. And then yeah. I'm like, ooh, I found a way to sharpen up this thing before I even put it out there. And you know what I'm saying? Yeah, what a unique position you come from. Because you didn't come from comedy. You didn't come from writing. You came from performing. Performing, yep. You came mm. from performing, and you didn't have to speak to anybody yeah. for the most part. So you had the performance. You had the spirit of the performance down, I believe. Yeah, when someone then, sees you, when people, when you yeah. can dance in front of people half naked, Naked, you know what I'm saying? Like, and be yeah. pretty comfortable with your body. Like, at a, at a at that young of an age, 
talking in front of people is very, very easy. But even then, I got in my head about it, like, and I would record everything I did. I would record every set because I wanted to see that how does my body move as I'm performing? How do how am I yeah. how am I how am I gesticulating with my hands? Yeah. How am I sounding? What I just see everything. So you're very conscious of your body because I'm I'm one of those people who I'm very awkward with my arms. I don't sure. know what to do with them. Sure. So I I wish I could just chop them off sometimes or tie them behind my back. Mm -hmm. And but you're very. I'm sure when you know when you're dancing, learning how to, they they make you very conscious of that. Yeah, because when I started, so when I, the first time I ever saw myself dance on film, I hated how I looked. Yeah, I thought it was the worst thing ever. I thought it was the most terrible thing ever. Full disclosure: I have body dysmorphia, and I and I am a very very uh, put together individual. But I just I hated how I looked entirely. So I'd film myself consistently dancing at practice to tighten up my form because there were there were issues with my form dancing yeah there were actually structural issues so i would i would tighten up my form mm -hmm. and then i would continue to film myself to watch and watch and to become the best version of myself that i could be to the point that i'm like oh you look nice out here yeah but but it, but it, it was the idea yeah. of it makes me uncomfortable attack it address it mm. address this thing because mm. it's not gonna go anywhere and i don't want this to beat me yeah so that's why I say to like a lot of comics who they feel that way. I'm like, record yourself and do it often. Like I record yeah. every single set. Now keep in mind, it's not to say I use them. No, I delete ninety eight percent of them, but I need to it. see what I'm doing. You know yeah, what I'm saying? You can either be afraid of it or you can let it make you stronger. Stronger, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's is that like advice that you would give to somebody? Is I would give like, that to yeah. any any performer, definitely any comedian. Mm -hmm. The thing that makes you most uncomfortable about how you perform on stage is the thing you need to assault. You need to assault it. You need to attack it. Yeah. You really, really, and, and if you find yourself in a position where you just can't do it, that's very telling, mm -hmm. because the reality of it is like, you've, we're living in an era now where there's so much, there's so much comedy, that you ain't needed. <laughs> like let's not let's. There's so much comedy. There are so many comedians. There's actually too many comedians. There's way more comedy now than there was in the '80s. Even though in the '80s there was comedy clubs in every fucking podunk town in America, but now there's so many more comedy avenues that it's it's incredible. But there's even too many comedians for that. So you're not even needed. So literally, if you're going to do this, do not shortchange yourself by being like, I don't want to do that. Every perf you need to find a way to be good in every space. If you are if you are a white performer, you should be able to perform in every fucking room. You should be able to go to black rooms or rooms where black people are. And and if you're a black person, be able to go to every fucking because we do we do go to every room because uh, we have to. But if you're any type of you're a woman or a white woman, you should be going to every single room. So long as you feel safe with your like you know your your well being and your physicality, you've got to be able to be in all these spaces. You don't have a choice. You got to be able to flex every single muscle. And then on some nights, you got to be able to go into situations that do not look like a win for you. And then you pull the rabbit out of the hat, which in the sense is what comedy is, because you're creating laughter where there is no laughter. And none of you are famous. So you are literally making people laugh from nothing. And how is that not a magic trick? All these other famous people, they have the benefit of fame. So someone can come out here and be like, what's going on, fuckers? And they're going to get a laugh. Yeah. You don't got that. Yeah. <laughs> Nor should you, because that's an earned right. As a result, you must. You must. You sell yourself. Yeah. You get up on the stage. You know, your material can be fantastic, but if people aren't buying you, they're not mm -hmm. going to buy your material. It doesn't matter how good it yep. is. Yeah. And that seems to be something that you, you do very well with. I Just in, in this alone, I can already tell them, like, I want to see a Satoyo special, you know? Yeah, I mean, just try to be the most, try to be the most honest, authentic, mm -hmm. 
brave performer that you can possibly be. Yeah. And also do understand, you do have to listen to things. You do have to listen to the, the women, the audience, and the environment that you're in and everything. But you also do owe it to yourself if you're actually going to try to put time into this. Um, don't fuck about. Yeah. It doesn't matter when they put you up. Please try to make it matter for something. Um, it doesn't. It, it doesn't really matter. None of that shit really matters. Like, oh, they're putting this person up and that. None of that stuff really matters, man. Because honestly, that never leaves. Yeah. Your your best bet is is to invest in yourself. Don't go out and do comedy to invest in what other people are doing. You go out and invest in what you're doing because, quite frankly, if you want this to be anything for yourself, it's gonna take a lot of luck and the mindset of investing in yourself. That's that's about what you got from what I've seen thus far, anyway. Yeah. So you're just betting on success, whether or not you feel it coming, whether or not you see it. You just have to be like, you know what? I'm gonna make this happen. Yeah. And if it doesn't happen, I try. Well, I believe in a. I believe that we live in a might makes right type of society. We always have, and being West African and being you know Nigerian, uh, you know we had a civil war less than 50 years ago. Um, so, and look at this country anyway. What yeah. actually what actually dictates how things go? It's only force. So. As the greatest live-action Batman of all times, oh Ben Affleck there said, <laughs> the greatest live-action Batman of all times, don't at me, do not touch me. He said something very poignant that actually like rang true. This world doesn't make sense unless you force it to. If you are in a position where you can actually force it to, and that does imply privilege, I'm like, no, force is the only thing that's going to make this work. And I don't mean force in a very, very negative uh, uh, aspect. I mean, no, I'm going to make you see me. Did, that's did, that's the only choice I have. Did Ben Affleck's Batman say that? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Yep. As he had put down Superman, and then <laughs> he went and spared his life and defeated three dozen mercenaries to save Superman's life <laughs> with nothing but ninja moves. The greatest live-action Batman of all times. Don't tell me about Christian Bale. Don't you dare bring up Michael Keaton to me. You people are being so ridiculous. You have you 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 disrespected the greatest live-action Batman of all time. We deserve more. But you were unwilling to. You didn't want good things. You didn't want it. I forgive you. I forgive you and let you and I, I let you breathe. But don't think I didn't see what you did. That's incredible. I think Andy, we're gonna have to watch the Ben Affleck Batman. We're gonna have to watch, watch the full cut. Watch the watch full, the full cut. cut. Full cut. Yeah, yeah. Full like cut. The, Batman vs Superman. Uh, Dawn of Just. Gotta watch the full cut. Because the regular it. cut, and then that's. It was. It was. A, it was. A, it was a mess. They cut out too much. That yeah. was a movie that was three out. Three hours and fifteen minutes oh long, and you showed two hours and forty minutes. That's too much cutting. But in any event, yeah. I bring it all back to the idea that, like, no, like any of the performers, like you know, Latisse is here tonight, and everything. It, it's not like you're sitting on your hands waiting for things to happen. It is the idea of force yeah. it is the idea of i will make myself known to you and i will t and listen if you're throwing me shade if you're th you can't even focus in on that can i get the opportunity and i believe in this uh this mantra very very heavily please give me the opportunity to fail if i fail you'll never hear from me again but guess what i am telling you to give me that opportunity best believe i am overly prepared for this that's because this is my life see that like that's yeah that's 
that is a hundred percent why I started this show was for exactly that. Dope. Like that's the kind of shit that I need here. Mm-hmm. You know, like because from everything that I'm hoping someone that's listening to this learns, I am also learning. Yeah, I'm taking things in. I'm I'm in no means an experienced comic. Sure, I've done shows. I've traveled. I've done all sorts of shit. You're not experienced until you've been out for a long time. Yep. You know, and it's. And I just, I appreciate hearing these kinds of stories yeah, and, and, and hearing different perspectives. And also keep in mind, I'm 10 years in. Mm-hmm. As a comedian, I'm 10 years old. Yeah. So if you're a comedian mm-hmm. who's five years in, you are five years old. Mm-hmm. Know your place in that. Look at, you are still a, an adolescent. Mm-hmm. I, I, listen, I'm trying, yay, bro, I'm, I'm approaching preteen years. <laughs> so, so, so again, like I'll even talk yeah. to, to I'll, you know, work for, you know, legends. Mm-hmm. And they'll be like, that was really good. But I'm like, I'm also like, yeah. But this is my first incarnation. Like, you got 10 to, or yeah. 15, 30 years. You know what I'm saying? It's, Wait until you see what's next. Yeah. And yeah. now, and as you ascend and as you feel that, the levels change. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? The levels change. But you got to work to ensure those levels change. I think a lot of times we want to sit there and be like, okay, I'm this much in. Why hasn't this happened yet? And that's an understandable human response. Mm-hmm. I do believe at the same time we need to stop asking, why hasn't this happened yet? And we need to start asking, what am I doing to make this happen? What am I doing to help push the issue forward? Mm-hmm. And all you can do is taking opportunities, putting yourself out there, and, and taking a lot of rejection, and then and then putting in the work. I love it. I love it. So, Satoya, where can we find you? So you can find me on where social media. At yeah, at me on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. My name is spelled S-E-T-O-I-Y-O. My Twitter and Instagram handles are Satoya1. So that is S-E-T. O-I-Y-O, the number one. Again, S-E-T-O-I-Y-O, number one. I'll remember that because we need to have a talk about Adam West. Oh, yeah, not even close. I mean, Adam Adam was the 60s Batman. It was very good for what it was, but yeah. no. It's yeah. been goofy and it's fun. It's goofy it, it and it's fun, its but Batman's a goddamn ninja. Yeah. yeah. Who, who's, who's a bulky motherfucker who does awful things to villains. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, so Ben Affleck, greatest live-action Batman of all times. <laughs> you know I'm right. Satoyo, thank you so much for Thank joining. you guys so much for having me, and I appreciate it. Was a it. pleasure. Thank y'all. We've recorded, like, five TED Talks. I can't, I can't believe just how incredible everyone's been Everyone to us tonight. Everyone has so much awesome stuff to say. This has been fascinating. So much. Like, as I was telling you, the reason I started doing any of this, the reason I was like, hey, Andy, I want to do another thing. Because I told you with the old show, I'm like, we'll do this again when the time is right. You, know, you just got an injection and, of that. Uh, yeah, that was last just, few hours. And now we have, if Latisse is, uh, do you have time? Oh, okay. no, Christian is kicking us out. Oh, we need to start oh, packing up? Right. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no worries. Okay. They're, like, okay. shutting down. Personally, it's never easy hearing about the loss of a comic. As someone who grew up with comedy, studied it, practiced it, and fell in love with it, I found comfort. I never really resonated with anything else, which must have scared the hell out of my very supportive parents. But I loved that feeling. I liked feeling that there was something bigger than me, something that I was a part of, because I was always a loner. And even before I ever got on stage, I just felt like I belonged. I didn't feel lonely anymore. And so my journey began. For years, I developed my style, my point of view, and the way I was going to deliver things. I'm still doing that. But I had found what would become my voice. And when I got up on the stage, I always strived to create that same comfort, 
that I found as a kid. And my journey isn't unique, and I think that's a wonderful thing. So many people out there do much the same as I did, spending long nights writing and rewriting and crumpling up notebooks worth of paper to find that voice. It's as frustrating as it is rewarding. So to know that a voice, and a well-respected one at that, is gone... That doesn't make any sense to me. I don't, I don't like it. And what an incredibly presumptuous thing that we do, getting up on stage and talking, you know. Why should anybody care what a comedian has to say? I, but I, I don't know if comedy is really about that. I think it's creating something worth caring about, something that people want to care about. It's trying to convey that same passion that they feel for their work you know years of writing and thinking and and staying up all night and saying well you know i could fix that i could put a tag on that and just trying to convey that feeling in a few minutes that's that's a real comedian jokes are half of it love is the other this miniseries was based on a set of tribute shows for Mike Brooks, who left us suddenly in August of 2019. Mike's album, titled Watch This, was a bright orange stack of CDs when we got there, and it was an empty bin when we left. You can buy it through wastedrobotrecords.com slash watchthis, and you can stream it pretty much anywhere you could find us. Apple Music, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, at the bottom of your, of your cereal box, it's it's everywhere. It's relatable. It's warm. It's a lot of fun. It's it's comfortable. All the proceeds from wherever you find it go directly to Mike's family. So be sure to check it out. I never could have guessed I'd also be paying tribute to our first guest from the series, Chris Cotton. He was an explosive presence and really set the tone for our entire night at Helium. We were honestly pretty nervous about everything, but he put us at ease right away, and we left as friends. I don't think we would have done as well as we did if we didn't meet Chris that night. His book, titled What My Dad Did, My Theory on Joke Writing, is available on lulu.com, and there's several other outlets I've seen, Google... Uh, there's the Google Books. I think it might be on Amazon as well. Uh, certainly look for it. Buy a copy. Buy ten copies. You can also find his comedy on Spotify, Apple Music, pretty much anywhere you can find us as well. I highly recommend that you look for both of these guys because they were both just really funny, really passionate, really nice guys. And... Uh, this certainly isn't the outro that I wanted to have, but I'm so blessed to have known Chris for the time that I did, and getting to you know learn more about Mike was a really good experience. It was one of the best things I did this year, so I just want to thank Dave Teruso, I want to thank Sidney Gant, and I want to thank Satoyo, and... Latisse, of course, for having us, and Chris Cotton, and um, and Helium in Philadelphia for allowing <laughs> us to come and sit down and and talk to people for three hours like we did. And 
Thank you for listening. I really appreciate it. You guys make it worth it. Now, I would absolutely have all of these conversations without a show or an audience, but I'll tell you, it's a lot easier to convince someone you're legitimate when you have a microphone and a co-host. No matter where you are, where you're going, or what you're doing, you always have time to share a smile. See you guys next week.